0: This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. Take your Bibles if you would and turn with me to to the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1 is all we'll look at today. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Of course, you're going to go in lots of different places in the Bible But I'm excited about the book of Romans. This will be the second message out of the book of Romans. Look, if you would, Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. How about reading it out loud with me? Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Can you all read together with me? Are you ready? The Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. I see four things right there that you might make a note of in your Bible. Number one, I see Paul. I want to talk to you about a sinner. Saved by grace, it becomes a saint. That's who Paul is, so the sinner. And the second thing, he's a servant. And then he's a sent one called to be an apostle, and he's separated under the gospel. So I'm going to talk to you about those four things today. Saved, serving, sent, and separated. Father, I pray now that you would open our hearts and open our minds and help us to love you. God, I pray for the one that's here that hasn't accepted uh, Jesus as their personal Savior and is not sure that they would go to heaven when they die. I pray, God, that you would wake them up, cause them to see your great uh, mercy and grace and love, and that they would be saved. I pray, God, that you would help Christians today to acknowledge their position and their relationship with you as servants or slaves to you. I pray you'd help us to find the ministry you've sent us to do and help us to be separated to you and to that ministry. We'll give you praise and honor and glory for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one thing I'd like you to look at with me is the word paul that's uh we've studied several books by the apostle paul that he has written under this of the holy spirit but just real quickly i don't think i've gone over much of his testimony with you and i'd like you to take your bible and look at some of his testimony the first time he's mentioned is found in acts chapter 7 and verse 59 acts chapter 7 and verse 59 and that's the story of stephen being stoned to death stephen was one of those first guys that was uh, had hands laid on him ordained Probably a deacon, I think a deacon, a good, godly, strong layman in the church who has given his heart to really serve God. And Stephen was not only serving as a deacon, but he had, man, he was preaching. And he goes up and he's preaching to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the religious people. And they stone him. And when they do, they lay their coats at the feet of a guy named Saul. He will later be called Paul. He'll become the great preacher. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, after he sees that happen we see him moving into his new ministry he becomes a great persecutor chapter 8 verse 1 of acts the bible says and saul was consenting unto his death and at that time there was a great persecution and it caused all the believers in jerusalem and they were scattered abroad they went everywhere preaching and teaching about jesus because saul made great havoc of the church chapter 8 and verse 3 boy he was looking for people if they were born again he would have come busting in the doors here he'd have grabbed those of us that said we love jesus that are here and he would have taken us to to prison if he could and so people were scattered there he did everything he could to harm the church to injure it to damage it to ruin it to destroy it uh he started all that right after the death of stephen now i want you to see something that's the wicked guy That's who you would see and understand as being a wicked fellow. But I want you to understand that to get saved, he had to see himself for who he was. And he had every reason to be very proud of himself. And that's probably the biggest stumbling block to our salvation is I think too highly of myself. And if you're not born again this morning, you're probably thinking pretty well of yourself. And that may be the very reason you're not saved. In Philippians chapter 3, In Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul tells us about himself. So we'll know who he was before he got saved. In Philippians 3, 4, he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinks he has whereof he might trust the flesh, I have more. Now look at this. This is Paul, Tennessee hillbilly. Paul said, Hey, if you're trying to talk about how good you are and why you are a good guy and why God would like you and why everybody would think well of you and you'd like to brag on some of the stuff you've done, well, just to be blunt honest, I got a whole lot more I could brag about than any of you guys I have more to brag about he said man i was born into the nation of israel i was circumcised on the eighth day i'm of the tribe of benjamin i'm a hebrew of the hebrews i'm a pharisee and by the way if you'd like to know about keeping old testament law you have never met a more moral man than me i am good or i was good look at chapter 6 or verse 6 philippians 3 6 look what he said talking about himself philippians chapter 3 and verse 6 he said concerning zeal persecuting the church but look at this phrase touching the righteousness the perfection the goodness the being right which is the law well i was blameless i was blameless i want you to understand something this morning paul gets saved his name was saul that was his more of his hebrew name paul's more of his greek name but he he gets saved he gets saved he is he's going to go to heaven when he dies he becomes an apostle and god's going to use him But it starts with this. He had to know that he wasn't good enough to go to heaven. He had to know that he wasn't good enough to go to heaven. He was really on fire for God the best way he knew how. He was extremely religious. He actually persecuted those who went against what his religion taught. And he was born the right way and had all the right stuff done to him. Even when he was eight days old, he got circumcised. He had every reason to brag. But he tells us very clearly in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1 what the problem was with him what the problem was with the Jewish people, and can I say what the problem is with people who live in Georgia in the Southeast United States. This is the problem with cultural Christians. This is the problem with everybody here thinking they're saved. If anybody thought he was good, it was Paul. He said, hey, look, you want to talk about obeying the Ten Commandments? Hey, blameless, don't mess up at all, ever, good guy. Fact is, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, find any of the rules... I do good. I mean, I really do good. I was born right. I was raised right. I'm out of the right family, out of the right tribe. I am just all the way around a great guy. If anybody has a reason to go to heaven, it's me. Now look what he says to the, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. And read with me, if you would, what he says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Stop. Israel, those are the people of God. That's the religious group on the planet. That's the people who write the 39 books of the Old Testament. That's the people who had the prophets. That's the people who Jesus was born to. And somewhere along the way, what was born in Abraham, what was born in Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes, what was born in hundreds of people that had been born to them, what they loved God and they were saved and they believed in Him, had become culture had become routine, had become, well, that's just the way we are. We're Americans. We're Christians. One of the things, if you were to go to the country of Morocco, one of the things you'd hear them say is, Moroccans are Muslims. Moroccans are Muslim. If you're a Moroccan, you're a Muslim. And basically, you know, we like to say this, we are a Christian country. We were founded on Christian principles. We are a Christian people. And we use that as an excuse to not get saved. We use that as an excuse not to be Christians. And so look what he said. He said, man, Israel needs to get saved. Israel might be the people of God, might have been formed all the right ways, might have all the right past. But look if you went at Romans chapter 10 and verse 2. He said, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Boy, they do love God and they do all the right stuff. I mean, really, these guys are so good about keeping the rules. Verse 2, but not according to knowledge. They were doing what they were doing because they were supposed to do it. They were not liars because mama taught them good people don't lie. They weren't thieves because mama taught them good people aren't thieves. And I hate to say this, but our Sunday schools have taught a lot of little kids how to be real good people and obey all the rules and never let them see their filthiness, their wickedness, their sinfulness. We are raised so right. Can I just tell you my little testimony? I was born in 1954. I was saved in 1962. I've only been in the bed with one woman in my entire life. I've never had drugs, uh, except what the doctor gave me when I had surgery. I've never had drugs. I've never, had, uh, I've never been an alcoholic, a drug addict. I've never, I've, boy, and I a good guy. I've been in church all my life, had the books of the Bible memorized so early, I don't even remember when I memorized them. Boy, am I not something. That's the story of most of us. Most of you are saying, well, you ain't got to know me, big boy. You think you got reason to brag, I'm more. You sound just like Paul. That's how I mean. We're all like that. We're good guys. We're good guys. But look what happened. They weren't doing the things according to knowledge. Because look at verse 3. This is the key. This is the clincher. This is the important thing. He says, for they, being ignorant of God's righteousness... And going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted unto the righteousness of God. Now that verse, that verse is like a clincher verse for you to look at this morning. I want you to think of this. And if, I could, if I could somehow illustrate it up here this morning, I would. I want you to picture a extremely rich, super rich billionaire. And he's got a table loaded down with billions of dollars. He's just covered up in money. And you're over on the other side of the room, and, you got, and you're stacking up your dollar bills, and man, you're up to 5000 $10, $10,000. You're thinking, I'm trying to get enough money to be like him but you're never going to be like if this guy's got a street made out of gold and all the doors to his city are pearls and all the fancy all the fancy rocks and everything you can imagine all the all of the gems make up his city he's perfect and you're never going to get there here's what happened the god of heaven stood on this side and he said you have all sinned you've all failed me you all deserve to go to hell and there's no way you could ever be good enough and here's what we do we say no that ain't true god let me I was born in America. I went to church in the old days, back when they had pallets on the floor back in the back of the church and no nurseries. I have never missed church. I have never been drunk. I, do you know how good I am? And we brag about how good we are, and God's looking over and saying, boy, you're ignorant. You could never, ever make up for what I did on Calvary. And on Calvary, what God did was take all of my sin and place them on Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul, who's going to preach the book of Romans, Paul, who's going to be the great apostle, was a sinner just like you. That's where we all start. We all start knowing we have sinned against a holy God. We all start knowing this. I cannot be good enough. I cannot be good enough. Can I just tell you that maybe you, like me, growing up in America, growing up in this Christian environment, you know, man, I struggled with whether or not I was saved. I used to lose my salvation all the time in my heart, never told anybody. I would be so concerned, am I really saved? Did I pray that prayer just right? Did I say the right words? Did I believe strong enough? Did I really mean it? And man, I was always scared. I can remember sitting in a meeting and this pastor was up there preaching. I was already a pastor. I'd already been in, worked at two churches as, a, as an assistant pastor. I was now a pastor of the church I'd started. And I was there with some of my church people. And he said, some of you preachers ain't even saved. And I was going, I might be one of them. Because I could always think of this. No matter how much I went to church, I knew. Man, man I had a dirty mind. You wouldn't believe some of the things i thought. I mean, I, even, I, didn't, I might not have done it, but I thought about it. You wouldn't believe some of the attitudes I had towards my dad. One day my dad came to me and he said, Son, I probably whipped you too many times. And I said, No, sorry, Dad. You, you didn't really catch me most of the time. I mean, I was a hardened criminal by the age of seven. Seriously. I used to go in the little store and my mom and daddy didn't give me money to buy candy every day, but all the other kids on the little school bus, it was a, about a 15 passenger that took us out to the big road where the where all the country boys got on the real bus that went to the real school. And I used to go in that little store and steal a candy bar every day until the guy caught me. And when he caught me, he said, uh, Are you Charlie's boy? And I said, Oh, Lord, I'm dead. And thank God he never told daddy or I, I wouldn't be here preaching today. But you know <laughs> By the way, I was a hardened criminal, a hardened criminal. You say, oh, that's all cute. Not in God's eyes. I remember being in first grade and uh, there were two of us in battle for number one in math class. You know, adding up like one plus one and two plus two. And this one guy always beat me. So one day I started copying everything he put down so that we'd always get the same grade. And somehow that turkey, only, what, six years old? He went and he discussed, with, uh, he discussed with the teacher what I was doing. And the teacher told him to put all the wrong answers down. And he wrote down all the wrong answers and I copied them. And I ran up and put my paper on the desk when he did. And he took his paper back, erased them, I put the right answers. I got a zero and he got a hundred. Hardened criminal. I, you see, we don't want to think of that as being wicked I was trying to establish my own righteousness. Look at this. Please listen to what I'm telling you. You aren't good enough. You never were good enough. You have to see yourself as a sinner or you can't get saved. You have to realize you have failed a holy God. You cannot establish your own righteousness. And if you're saved here this morning, it's not because you were good, but he is good. It's not because of what you did, but because of what he did. Paul said, Romans chapter 10 and verse 3, they being ignorant of God's righteousness. He is right. And they went about to establish their own righteousness and they would not submit to God's righteousness. God, I don't need your help. God, I don't need your help. I am a good guy. I was born in the tribe of Benjamin. I was born and the circumcised on the eighth day I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews and by the way if you want to talk about keeping your rules I kept all of them some of us in this room would say hey not me buddy I was really a rotten sinner that's probably the best testimony because you know you were and some of us have to I had to realize one day I'm the biggest sinner now watch where Paul goes next in Roman, in first Timothy 1 I just want to show you what Paul thought about himself remember this I need you to look at me a second I'm talking to you watch this You remember this Paul guy said, hey, if you think you got reason to brag, i got more reasons. By the way, keeping rules, blameless me. But in 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 15, he says this. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Everybody will approve this. This is a true statement. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus came into the world to save who? Jesus came into the world to save who? And Paul said, and I am the biggest one there ever was. I'm the chiefest. Now, wait a minute. This guy never broke any rules. This guy was born right, raised right, never broke any rules. But you don't get saved. You realize that ain't good enough yet. You do not get saved. You are not a born-again believer because you got baptized. You're not a saved person. You're not going to heaven because you've been to church all your life. You're not going to heaven because you don't lie, cheat, cuss, and go with them that do. You're not going to heaven for those of you. You're going to heaven because one day you realize I am a sinner. Have you realized that? If you have, look back on that day and say, man, that day I saw myself as dirty, unworthy, a failure, a sinner. And that's a glorious day because until you're sick, you will not need a doctor. And until you're a sinner, you will not need a savior. In Acts chapter 9, when the Lord knocked Paul off his horse and onto his rump, he was on his way to Damascus being religious to persecute some more Christians. The light shines, the voice is heard, and Paul falls flat down. And Paul says in Acts uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse 5, uh, Who art thou, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. And Paul would have said, I never persecuted you, Jesus. I only persecute Christians. But God said, no, you're persecuting me. And your sin, you say, it didn't hurt anybody. And you would like to somehow work it out to where you're a good guy. No, you're not. The apostle Paul had to realize he had sinned against holy God and that the Lord deserved to be recognized as Lord in his life. Some of us are just too good for our own good. You hear that? You are too good for your own good. Because until you get bad, he can't make you good. Have you seen yourself as a sinner in need of a savior? Have you been trying to establish your own righteousness or are you trusting his? Second word I'd like you to look at in the verse. That's Paul. That's Paul. You see, I just want you to know that Paul didn't get saved because he was a good guy. Paul didn't get saved because he was an apostle. Paul became an apostle because he got saved. Paul, God did the work. But the second word Paul uses in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, look what it says. Paul a servant of Jesus Christ. And we read across that quickly and we, we run right on down to the rest of verses we never stop and realize what he said. Because we have, uh, we, again, we speak Christianese. We speak Bibleese and we think of servant and well, everybody's a servant. And everybody ought to be nice to everybody else and everybody ought to serve other people. But to, it, to be blunt honest, this word here is like the word slave. It is Paul, a slave. Now, slaves. I mean, that's a that's a blight and a curse word and a bad thing in our history of our country. It's a bad thing around the world where it still goes on today. But Paul proudly said, "Paul, a slave, a servant of Jesus Christ." I'd just like to go over a few things with you real quickly. Do you understand? Boy, you're gonna you're gonna get more. You probably want to hear about this this morning. But do you understand? Do you understand that Paul didn't proclaim? Man, now I'm a free man. Now I run my own show. Now I'm in charge. Paul said, man, I got saved and I am a servant. Paul didn't say, hey, I'm an apostle and I run the show. Paul said, I am a servant. That's what he said. Now, what's the Bible say about a a servant, if you would? In in Titus chapter 2 and verse 9, when Paul writes to Titus to tell him what to tell people, he said, exhort the servants, exhort the slaves to be obedient to their masters. Now, how many of you have a job? Hold your hand up. Would all y'all go tomorrow and tell your master how much you're going to obey him? How many of you consider your boss your master? Huh? You know, we don't use that term. You say, well, that's just a King James term. No, it's the word master. That's exactly what means. Guess what the word master means in the Greek? Master. Here's a real deep Bible study for you. Master means master. It means the owner. It means the guy who who is in charge of you. It means the guy that you are serving. And Paul said, servants, obey your masters and please them well in all things. And don't you smart talk them. Not answering again. A slave doesn't own himself. A slave is owned by someone else. A servant in the Bible is owned by someone else. In Exodus chapter 21, and I won't take the time to read that passage with you, but you need to look it up. Exodus chapter 21, verse 3 and following, this Hebrew is sold into slavery to another Hebrew. And he's only going to be a slave for like seven years, and he'll be set free. And the story's told that while he's a servant, a slave, to his master, his master gave him a wife. So he got another woman and he gave his servant, his slave, he gave her, uh, gave him a woman, another woman, another one of his servants. He said, slave, I'm going to let you get married to slave. Slave A will marry slave B. Both of you belong to me. And he let them get married. And they had children. And when they get ready to leave, this is Bible, Exodus, culture, but it's also, it's trying to teach you a big lesson. When they got ready, when, when, before the time of his slavery was up, they had several children. And so it was time for him to get free. And he goes to his master and says, I'm going to leave. And his master says in Exodus chapter 21, his master says this. Okay, but your wife is mine. She stays. And your children are mine. They stay. Have a nice life. And the guy said, I don't want to leave my wife. He said, well, then you can be my slave forever. And if you want to stay with your wife and your kids, fine. Fine. We will take you to the doorpost and we'll drive a hole in your ear so that everywhere you walk down the street, you said, I chose to continue being a slave, a servant. That's the word Paul used when he said, Paul, a servant. Didn't even own himself. Didn't own his wife. Didn't own his kids. And didn't own his own little laptop, computer, or anything else he had at the house. It all belonged to his owner. That's the word Paul used. Servants slaves don't decide what they will do with their life slaves don't decide what they will do with their lives in ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5 paul said servants be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and serve them not like men pleasers not with eye service but do what's right as to the lord slaves don't complain slaves can't complain It'd be a dying offense I could take plenty of time to show you things in the Old Testament, but let me show you a story Jesus told. I can hear you now. Well, that was Old Testament. But in the New Testament, Jesus wasn't like that. Well, Jesus told a story. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, the apostles came to Jesus and they said, we would like you to increase our faith. And so he tells them a slave story. Oh, I want you to increase my faith, Lord. He said, okay, let me tell you a slave story. Luke 17 5 and the apostle said unto the lord increase our faith and the lord said if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed and you might say to the sycamore tree be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey but which of you see you guys would really like to have more faith so you can be big shots but let me explain to you where your real faith is it's when you realize i'm the owner and i'm the master and you are but the servant and he tells the wildest story you've ever heard In Luke chapter 17, you can look this up later, verse 7 and following. He says, in which of you having a servant plowing or feeding the cows? And he gets through plowing and feeding the cows and he comes in the house. Would you say to your servant, hey, servant, thanks for working hard all day. Sit down and let me fix your supper. And Jesus said, oh, I don't think so. Here's what you would do if your servant came in. You would say to your servant, hey, fix my supper. And when he gets through fixing your supper and you get through eating and he's cleared the table, you know what you would say to him? Wash the dishes. And when you get all that done and everything's finished, you don't even say thank you. He's your servant. That's the word Paul used about himself voluntarily. You see, Paul didn't come to God and say, look, God, I'll get saved, but when I get saved... I expect prosperity, health, and wealth. I expect, here's what Paul said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Everyone is a slave to someone or something according to the Bible. Why don't you go with me to Romans chapter 6 if you would. Romans chapter 6. I don't have time to read all this to you. But you can read it later, Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 16. The Bible says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Paul said we all choose who we'll be servants to. Some of us choose obedience to Christ, and some of us choose disobedience and become servants of sin. And here's what he said. He said, but, but verse seventeen. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Look this way, just a second. Are there any people in this room to be honest enough to say that you know you used to be a servant to sin, and servant the sin used to rule your life? If that's your testimony, you don't have to say, man, just nod your head or something. I was standing in. Uh, the 100 church 20 years ago i guess i was preaching and i talked just about this kind of verse and i said some of you used to be owned by sin some of you used to be a servant to sin and sin controlled your life and a guy named walter hollered out that was me right in the middle of the service that was me he got the lesson you used to be a servant to sin but now you're a servant to christ that now you're a servant to christ verse 19 romans chapter 6 verse 19 i speak after the manner of men because the infirmity of your flesh, for as you've yielded your members' servants to uncleanness. You know how you used to serve sin and iniquity unto iniquity and uncleanness? Even so now, yield yourselves, your members' right, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. Because what you used to do only brings embarrassment for you. It only brings embarrassment for you. Things that you're ashamed of. But you've been made free from sin, and you became the servants of God. I need you to look this way, and I want you to listen to this. When you were lost, you were a servant to sin. You did what sin wanted you to do. It ruled your life. But when you got saved, listen to what I'm fixing to tell you. Jesus didn't free you from sin to do what you wanted. He freed you from sin to serve him. He didn't free you from sin to do what you wanted. He freed you from sin to do what he wanted. Your phrase ought to be, Austin, a servant of Jesus Christ. I belong to him. He rules in my life. He makes decisions for my life. He owns me. I belong to him. Jesus frees us from serving sin to serve him. As a servant, are you willing to release control of your life? You see, servants don't have control. There's this tremendous story, mocked all the time, about a slave called Uncle Tom. And Uncle Tom was a born-again Christian in the story. Most of you would never know that because all you know about is a junkie here. But he was a born-again Christian. And because he was a born-again Christian, he willingly accepted his slavery. That's why he's made fun of. And one night, he hears the master talking about selling him to make money and separating him from his wife, who he'd lived with for a long time. And he was an extremely trusted servant. He went everywhere with no chains on him. And he worked for the master. He handled things at the house. His wife, they came telling his wife, said, you've got to run. And he said, no, I'll not run. And the whole story is about he actually gets killed by Adam Simon Legree. He gets killed at the end of the story, but he will never resist. He acknowledges that he is a slave. I read that story, and the whole time all I could think about is I want to be Uncle Tom to Jesus, that I know he's my master, that I trust him with my life. And no matter what it means, happens to me. And the old guy, by the end of the story, realizes there's nothing that can break the faith of the great Christian, Uncle Tom. And today, I tell you, we are servants. That is socially offensive. It is not politically correct. But this is a room full of slaves to Jesus Christ. Act like it. We belong to him. Lose control of your own life. Trust your master to take care of you and yours. Your master will take care of your children. He's not some nasty Simon Legree. He's the God of heaven. You can trust him. Will you willingly serve him? Back to Romans chapter 1. Paul, the sinner that became a saint by the grace of God, was a servant. And I'm going to skip this one right here because I'll just look at it with you another time. But he was an apostle. An apostle was a sent one that God sent to do a certain job. They became the foundation of the church. The church is built on Jesus as the chief cornerstone and a foundation that the apostles laid. And so God used these apostles in a great way. But I would like to to jump with you, if I could, to another word that is extremely offensive to us. That's Separation. Look, if you would, at Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of of God. Separated unto the gospel of God. Now, I want you to listen to something. I'm going to give you some strong Bible to help you. First off, it's a really freeing thing the day you acknowledge that you are just a servant to Jesus, that he owns you, you belong to him, you gave up the title deed, you gave up the plan. You don't even say, God, what you will for my life. You just say, God, you speak, I'll do. You know, you, know, you heard that one when you was a kid. Uh, when, when I say jump, you jump. And on the way up, you say, ha-ha. That's our relationship with Jesus. Jesus, you say jump, I'll jump. And on the way up, I'll say, ha-ha. Because you are in charge. But here comes another very offensive word. Servant or slave, that's offensive as you can get. Sinner, well, that's an offensive word. We've got like three of them going in this verse. The only nice one was sent one, the apostle and I skipped that one. And the last one is separated under the gospel. Separated under the gospel of God. So I'd like to show you something. Listen to what it says in the verse. Not just separated from the world, but separated to the gospel. Not just separated from the world, but separated to the gospel. And a lot of you grew up in homes and you grew up in churches where you were told to live separate from sin. But that's only half of the story. And it's the bad half of the story. And it's really not the biblical side of the story. Separation in a Christian's life is not a separation from sin, but a separation from sin to the Lord Jesus. It's not a separation of boy, well, don't do it, don't do it, don't no, boy. I wish I could do it, but I can't. I'm separate. The guy I wish I could do it, but I can't. I'm separate. It's not that, but it's a willing turning of your back on that. It said, I love you, Jesus, I want to do that. And Paul said, I turn my back on how good I used to be, I turned my back on how blameless I used to be. I turned my back on the religion of my parents, and I turned my face to Jesus in the gospel of God. The Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. That hated passage by Independent baptist because you came to this church because you don't like that word. It says, "Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath they righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an inf- unbeliever and infidel? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of God." I will be your God and you will be my people. So get away from all those people and be separate. I'll receive you. Man, you got all these promises. Come to me. Watch this. I would have loved to have done this this morning. Uh, But time escapes. Separation in the Bible is never a negative, uh, overall negative thing. It's a positive thing. And, uh, August, I guess in June, May or June of 1973, I had fallen in love with this girl who was raised in a more well-to-do home than I was. I grew up with an outhouse until the 10th grade. She was, she had a bathroom nearly as big, her, her room and her bathroom and her dressing room and her walk-in closet was nearly as big as our house. And I walked up, I, I, I sat down with her on the steps of a friend of mine's house and I said, would you marry me. And you know what she did? She separated herself from her parents. She separated herself from all that money. She separated herself from all those luxuries and we moved into a little two room duplex that wasn't much bigger than her bedrooms again. And for us that wasn't a negative separation. She said no to all those things and yes to me. And I said no to all those girls that would have loved to have married me. Todd, you're not to laugh like that in church. (laughs) You see, separation's not the negative thing you think it is. It wasn't. Hey, when I said, Betty, will you marry me? She didn't go, oh, what about my money? What about my bedroom? What what kind of house are we going to live in? She just said, yep. And she came running and married me over 39 years ago. Now, this one will tell you. This one will tell you. Here's what the Bible says. Paul was separated unto the gospel of God. It wasn't like, Paul, you can't sin anymore. Paul was like, I'm not worried about sinning. You mean I get to be with you, Jesus? You mean I get to talk about the Bible? I get to serve you? I get to love you? You mean I get to be with you? By the way, it's it's a term referred to in your Bible more than once. You ever heard of this one? When you get married, you leave and you, you leave and you, say it again with me. You what? And you? You know what? You know what you did? One day when Paul got right, got saved, was born again, Paul said, I leave all I had before and I cleave to Jesus. That's the verses about getting married. Do you understand? Do you understand this? separation is not about don't do don't do don't do separation is about I get to do I get to do I get to do separation is about not that I don't get to do all these other things I used to do it's about man he loves me he loves me he loves me and I love him and I serve him and I love his book and I love serving him and I love all he's done for me separation is the same thing happened to that slave you remember him his master said you can leave but your wife stays here You can leave, but your children stay here. And he said, oh, forget the freedom. I'll stay. And that's what happened. He was separated. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. In other words, fall in love with Jesus fall in love with the things of God and turn your back on those things. And that's what happened. Paul says, before I start this book, you might ought to know a little bit about me. And we ran across that in normal reading and never pay attention. Paul, I used to be a sinner, but I got saved by the grace of God. And I'm a saint today. Paul, not a free man, but a servant, a slave of Jesus Christ. Paul, on a mission sent from God as an apostle. Paul, separated under the gospel. My life. Is under the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, this gospel that Paul preaches is the opposite. It's the opposite of everything Paul had lived before. You see, Paul was a part of a performance-based religion. His goodness with God was based on how good he was. It was based on what he did to get God to like him. And so he was blameless in the law when he was born on the right day. and He was circumcised on the right day. And he did and he did and he did. But sooner or later, you get tired of doing. And you're like, I can't keep it up. I'm not good enough. And Paul said, but I was separated from all that doing stuff. And separated unto the good news of Jesus Christ. That God loved me in my sin. God saved me when I didn't deserve to be saved. And God gave me new life. The gospel is that Jesus did for me what I could not do for myself. I tried to be good. I sought to build my spiritual resume. I wanted God, me, and everyone else to know I was good enough, but I wasn't. He saved me by his grace. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. My question, are you trusting the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life? Have you left sin to serve the Lord? Are you separated to him? For every married couple in this room, one of the most exciting things about your marriage is this, that that person sitting beside you chose one day to leave and cleave. That person chose to separate themselves from and separate themselves to. And that person willingly surrenders their love and their life and their service and their heart to you. And here's what Paul said. As I begin to write this letter, let me tell you who I am. I'm the sinner, saved by the grace of God, and made a saint by God. But I'm still a servant to him. And I have been sent on a mission by him, and I am separated unto the gospel. This morning I have two or three questions for you. Do you know that you'd go to heaven if you died? Now listen to my question here. Not are you good enough not are you trying to establish your spiritual resume. Not are you trying to prove how good you are, but have you realized you sinned against the holy God? Because the Christians, real born-again people, are all just sinners who realized they were sinners and trusted Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Are you a servant this morning? Do you really willingly yield your life? Paul braggingly says, Paul, I'm a slave and a servant of Jesus Christ. I am sent on a mission by Jesus Christ, and I'm separated under that mission by Jesus Christ. Is that your story? If it's not today, make it your story. Father in heaven, I love you, and I thank you for the privilege of preaching your word. And I pray, God, that you would save those that don't know you in this room this morning. And I pray, dear God, that those that aren't born again would be born again today and know for sure they're saved. God, help them realize they've gone about establishing their own righteousness and help them to choose not to do that any longer. Then I would ask you, dear God, to help Christians that have been living a life of self to come into the service as servants of the Lord Jesus. Help us to separate ourselves to you, to dedicate ourselves to you, to direct our lives to serving you. And I will give you great honor and glory. You have been listening to Austin Gardner, pastor of Vision Baptist Church. For contact information, location, service times, or more audio and video recordings, log on to www.visionbaptist.com.